0: You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. Happy Friday. Oh my God, we made it through. I made it through. I'm really in a good mood today and um, it's early. It's 1053. It feels like it's like I've had a full day. Even though I haven't got a lot done, I've just felt, I feel energized about the rest of the day. We'll see where it takes me. I'm going to do this half of the show um, earlier and then the second half later, and we'll we'll trace it. But I would like to kind of n- zero in on the variables that have led me to feel great today. I don't know; it's a lot of stuff. But number one, I gotta say, it's like not allowing comments on my Instagram is like the best thing I've ever done for myself. And until it starts to like negatively affect my life, like where I feel like, oh no, I. You know, I feel like out of the loop, I feel like people, I'm not getting booked on things or like this could be, you know, because that's, that's part of it for me is that Instagram makes me feel like this is the psychology of Instagram in terms of being like a celebrity and wanting to make it in the business. Okay. If I post something and then a celebrity, like let's say a John Mayer, like he follows me, I believe, but say that like he comments something or Paris Hilton comments on something, someone might see that let's say a a, a a booker at netflix i have a lot of people in, uh, that who i've worked with at netflix on projects who are the people who determine whether or not you get shows at netflix you know ex- creative executives at netflix follow me on instagram say they see a post of mine and underneath it paris hilton has done, drawn uh posted a lot of fire emojis or john mayer writes something funny or David Spade writes something funny or just a famous person, a blue check mark. Someone acknowledges that I'm funny or I'm cool in the comments. Therefore, that Netflix executive will see that and I will be more valuable in their eyes because a celebrity has endorsed me and said I'm funny. Do you know what I'm saying? Or you see that, you know, uh, Rob uh, McInerney, I think that's his last name. Fuck. From Always Sunny. He also follows me on Instagram. Oh, you see, Rob likes something I do. Okay, the guy from Always Sunny is a fan of Nikki Glaser? That might, that means she's cooler than we thought she was. Let's give her a show. Like, that stuff fucking matters. Unfortunately, it matters, and that is why I'm prone to leave my comments open. Also, I like the feedback that is kind. Like I've said before, I enjoy when people talk about like my, uh, how a show I did make them feel or something I put out there. But generally, the comments you get are just about your looks, and that's what I'm avoiding. But that that's the, the risk you take in disabling comments as a um, person who wants to keep working in the business, is that people who make decisions for these networks and give you shows and give you work are so influenced by other, uh, you know, A-listers' opinions of you. And so that's why it's so important. That's why comments by celebs, like com- celebrities comment on each other's stuff, is because they, they in turn want to be associated with the person they're commenting on, and if they comment on some things and then someone's thing, then oh my god! If I comment on Paris Hilton's thing and she likes it or responds to it, then people in her circle will go, "Who's this girl?" Maybe they'll click on me. Maybe they'll put me in something. I mean, it's all—it's just all serving the purpose of being like, "Look at me! This famous person approves of me." So that's where I feel like it might hurt me to disable my comments. That being said, I don't care because it feels so fucking amazing to put out a picture and put out a caption and not have anyone comment that I'm not funny anymore or that, um, you know, I look like my dad, whatever it may be. It just, it, I got to be honest, it feels like a little bit of a Taylor Swift vibe. And someone just wrote to me and said, look at you, Taylor Swifting out, no comment, not allowing comments. And I almost came from that comment. Um, Oh, what did they say? Uh, yeah, Chase. Thank you so much, Chase. He goes by Chip Douglas One. Holy shit, comments off T-Swift style. Good for you. Thank you, Chase. I-, I loved that comment because I was like, yeah, if she can do it, I can do it. And yet she can do it because she's famous enough and has hundreds of millions of followers and I have less than a million. But still, it just, it's such a power move because it says, I don't care what you think. And I honestly don't. Not that I don't care what you, the fans, think. That's why I put this podcast out. You know that I love you, and you know that I care what you think desperately. Um, and I got a lot of good feedback on the podcast this week. Thank you so much for all your DMs. And um, I'm feeling way better than I did yesterday when my hair started falling out on the podcast. Thank you for getting through that with me. I Again, I wouldn't have put that out there if I had time to record another podcast later in the day. I would have trashed that one and taken a fucking Xanax. Um which I did do after that podcast because, oh God. So I want to just tell you what happened after that. So my hair was like, honestly, I'm not joking. You guys, I pulled a hundred hairs out of just this little like strand of hair in the back, like my mullet strand. I was just like burning my hands through it hundreds of hairs, like no joke. If you had a gun to my head right now and we like, how many hairs did you pull out? Nikki don't exaggerate. I would say pull the trigger. I've done that joke before. Um, no, I would, uh, I would have said about 70 hairs. Okay. And that was just out of a little strand of my hair. So I was gearing up to go in the shower and just have the worst experience, which happened. Legit happened. I can't even tell you how much hair came out, guys. It's more than it's ever come out. And I've gone like a week and a half before without washing my hair. And so, and that's been a lot of hair when I finally do it. This time was so much. I sent a picture to Noah, my producer, I sent a picture to Anya. Uh, I sent video of me playing with the ball of hair so that um, Anya could see the, 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 the scope of it. I even, <laughs> I even took the ball of hair, and I'm not joking. That was probably thousands of hairs, a thousand hairs. And you're supposed to lose 100 a day, which, by the way, uh, hair does still fall out of my head. It's not like once I – like everyone's like, well, you haven't washed your hair for seven days. That's 700 hairs. Well, hair is still falling out every day. I do pick out pieces, so it's not nothing. So there shouldn't be a 1,000 hairs for five days of not washing my hair, right? So I have this ball of hair, and I walk in. My dad is reading a book in the den. And I just walk in, and I throw it on his book. And I go, is this normal? Is that a normal amount of hair? Because they keep going like, Nikki, you're, you're imagining things. And he goes, no way. And I go, yes way. One shower. One shower. And he goes, What? and i go look at this and he's like oh my god i mean you guys it was gigantic i i wouldn't show you because you would be so alarmed and and you couldn't deny it anymore so it's fine i do think that it's because i'm taking so many vitamins to regrow my hair that it pushes the old hairs out the ones that would fall out anyway are just being pushed out that's what i'm telling myself and really there's nothing i can do about it and the stress that i have around it is really not helpful so i'm Honestly, in total acceptance of it. And yesterday when I was on the podcast and like trying to shake myself out of a nightmare, that it was a real moment. I really thought I might be dreaming because I've have, I've have, I have nightmares so often that my hair is falling out in chunks. That and in the, the chunks that it was coming out in yesterday, like that was a nightmarish amount, like literally a nightmarish amount. I'm using the word literally correct for once. And I couldn't, it was just I cannot believe it happened. There's been a couple times in my life where a nightmare has come true where you, because when I'm in dreaming and I'm having a nightmare, there's part of me that's like, I know this is a nightmare and sometimes I can shake myself out of it. I just, I just start shaking in my dream and, and like throwing, like kind of convulsing so I can get myself out of it. And it doesn't always work, but I do do that in dreams because I like am aware I'm dreaming. Um, and there was one other time in my life that it happened yesterday with the hair. I really felt like I was in a nightmare and might be in a dream. I was not. And then, then, when I fainted on stage in 2007, I, um, well that one was different because when I fainted, I had a dream in, I was blacked out after I fainted for, I don't know how long, but like probably just a couple seconds. And in that time that I was out cold, I had a dream that I fainted on stage. Like I, you know, It it wasn't a dream. It was like, at first I had a dream. I was in the ocean when I fainted and like these waves were crashing on me, but that was just me like falling and tumbling. And then when I woke, when I was kind of coming to, I was like, oh my God, you fainted on stage. And then I go, that's a nightmare. That's, oh my God. And I was waking up out of it and I go, oh my God, thank God it was a nightmare. You know, that feeling you have when you wake up from a nightmare and you're like, thank God it wasn't real. Oh my God. What? Like you're almost like relieved. You're like, that was the best. Some comic had a joke about how dreams, good dreams are the worst because you wake up and you're like, fuck, I'm not really in a relationship with Zach Efron. And then nightmares are great because you wake up and you're like, oh, thank God that's not true. So I woke up and I was like, oh my God, thank God I didn't faint on stage. And then I opened my eyes and I'm staring at a crowd that is just looking at me and I'm on the ground and there's guys all around me being like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I was like, oh my God, it's real. Oh my God, it's real so until yesterday, that was the first, the last time I felt that way. Um, so I went to the, yeah, I took a shower and it was just like, honestly a scene out of, you know, a cancer movie where the woman is just clumps and clumps of hair and it's fine. I, I really am okay with it today. And I am not on Xanax right now. I'm on a fuckload of caffeine, sucked down a nice coffee, not a fuckload, two cups of caffeine of coffee. Um, And, but I feel okay because my hair actually doesn't look so bad today. I did it last night. I was, oh man. So I took a shower. I had to then go do this charity event where um, I, it was like this. This thing, there's this teacher guy that, um, does a bunch of charity for teachers and he's really uh, just an awesome person and just does so much good. And he's an amazing teacher and he's like the sexiest teacher alive. I think we matched on Raya initially like three years ago and then we've kept in touch since then. I just wasn't really interested in dating him. You can look him up. His name's Nicholas Ferroni. He's, um, he's incredible. He does like so much good work. So he asked me to do this charity event yesterday and there were three other female comics on it, uh. Uh, Nic- uh, Nicole Joyelle Johnson, Jessica Kearson, and Esther Koo. And they were all hilarious. We just did a uh, talk about like our teachers and, you know, it was just like a live discussion about what teachers meant to us. And I actually read the the note that I read on the podcast yesterday about that teacher writing pa at the top of my page, not bad. And I was like, Nicholas, would you ever write not bad at the top of a student's page? And he was like, never. And I was like, yeah, that was a bad teacher I had. I I regret to say this, but one day she she was pregnant and the projector screen fell on her. This is so mean. But we were in high school and we were little pieces of shit. And her baby was fine. she has like a child now. the baby came out fine, but she was like probably seven months pregnant, eight months pregnant. She was pulling down the projector screen and the whole thing fell and hit her in the stomach and she like rushed out of the classroom c- crying, and we were all like happy. Isn't that awful? but that's how that's how evil she was. We were like we called her baby the p- le petit diable, the little devil because we knew that she was gonna be as just as bad as her mom. But the baby turned out fine. everything's fine, so it's a nice ending to the story, but that was true. Like, I remember people laughing and I was, and I, I didn't laugh. I remember being like actually worried, but I remember being like, that's how much we hate this woman is that we are laughing at the fact that she might have just like injured her unborn baby. Like it was insane. Anyway, I did that show yesterday. Um, uh for yeah like for the charity thing it was actually so much fun just like talking with other female comics he had really great questions for us about um teachers and what we would teach in school if if we if we could like come up with like a curriculum and like one thing that's not taught in schools we wish it were taught uh esther and joyelle uh, and nicole joyelle were talking about like you know, money management and like debt and like credit cards and like how much we wish that was taught. And I totally agree with that. Like I was like, I couldn't even say that because I don't even understand what I don't know about that, but I would like to know about financing and mortgages. And I would like to have understand like what APR is and like just, yeah, financial, uh, Education. I was trying to think of a different word, but yeah, just learning the ins and outs of that would have been helpful. But um I my answer was that I would have um I would have a course in telling girls that just because a guy takes out his penis doesn't mean you need to do anything with it. And that's what my next special is gonna be about. I think it was my first special or my last special bangin' was about that. But I'm gonna get into more depth on it because I still think it's a problem. And I was reading last night about, God, I have so much to talk about and I have to go because I have a doctor's appointment in 20 minutes and it's pretty much 20 minutes away, so I'm going to be late. But um, there's more allegations against Crystalia that just came out in which he has exposed himself to women and um, they're not good. And I was reading about it on Reddit last night and apparently like there is an episode of How I Met Your Mother that is so disturbing. There's so many sitcoms from like recent date, days. Recent like the 2000s, like the 2010s that do not work anymore. I've said it before, but The Office makes me fucking cringe so much the way that they treat certain female staff members like sexually on that show. The one episode in particular where Michael Scott makes um, Aaron's character, the um, secretary, he makes her go on a date with Kevin because he promised Kevin that Aaron would go on a date with him. And Aaron has to use her lunch break to go on a date with a creepy guy that she doesn't even like because her boss makes her. I mean, that is so inappropriate. I came and even say, it like makes my blood boil that that poor girl had to waste her lunch break, even though it's an imaginary show, but it would be, that, that was acceptable on TV is insane. But there's this, there's this whole scene in how I met your mother called the naked guy. Go look it up, go look up the naked guy, how I met your mother. It is on their YouTube channel. And it's this guy goes on a date with Robin and, uh, I guess Robin leaves because he does this thing called the naked guy. And then, um, Robin's roommate, um, uh, one of the other characters in the show walks in a male character and sees this naked guy on the couch. And he's like, what's the deal with this? And the naked guy, the guy that she's on a date with goes, Oh, it's this movie I pull where the girl, you get back to a girl's apartment. She excuses herself to go to the bathroom. And in this case, Robin goes to take a call in the hallway and then you get naked. And when she comes back, you're naked. And he goes two out of three times, it works. And he's, it's like, it was teaching men, like, get naked and then have a girl walk in, and then she just feels obligated because you're naked. I mean, it is fucking insane that that was on a TV show and it is still on their YouTube channel. Take it down. That's a bad message to send. Do not get naked for a woman until she asks you to. Okay? How about that? Let's just go with that. Gone are the days that you can take out your dick before a girl asks you to. It's not okay. I know that... Uh, I it just, I know there are, how many people listening right now would never have, would, would probably have not touched or sucked a dick their first time unless the guy took it out and you just kind of felt obligated. How many of you? Raise your hand right now wherever you are. If you're a woman who the first time you sucked a penis or even maybe the last time you did was because, or even one time was because the man took it out and you weren't ready for it, but because it was out, you were like, oh, I guess I have to do this. And maybe you're a badass bitch that's like, no, I don't do that. Well, good for you. Teach your children that kind of uh, stand, teach your children to take that kind of stand because that is what I'm going to teach my daughter, the daughter I'll never have because I don't um, really, my hormones are out of control and I'm losing all my hair and I don't really get my period that much. But if I did, that's the first thing I would teach my daughter. I mean, you know, ABCs and like animal sounds first. And then I would say, if a man takes his penis out, you do not have to do anything to it ever. But it's so many cases. So, I would not have sucked 90% of the dicks I've sucked if, if the guy didn't just take it out before I wanted it to be out. And am I grateful that happened? No, I'll go for it when I'm ready. How about that? How about that? I got a lot more to talk about. I got to go to my, um, I'm going to see a psychiatrist that costs $1,000 an hour, which is a great use of my money. I hope I'm going to get reimbursed by my insurance company. We'll see. Um, But I really, fingers crossed that I get some ADD meds because um, went and got that test. I have mild ADD. And, um, and so hopefully I I just really want something that will help me, um, as needed. I'm going to use other therapeutic methods. I do not want to be dependent on a medicine. I am not someone who wants to take Adderall every day, but I would like to take it occasionally to clean my room or write a book. All right, guys, I'll be back after this. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. Wait, we already did this. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. (laughs) I'm not used to having done the podcast um, earlier in the day. So I think um, I'm very aware that I already did part of the podcast, by the way. Very aware. Um, It's five hours later now, though, and I don't usually break it up this much. Break it up. Um, Hi, guys. I just, uh, I had a great rest of the day, and it's shaping up to be just a fantastic evening. Um, It's 3.40 p.m. It's Thursday. I did go to the doctor. It was two hours with a psychiatrist and um, it was incredible. I feel so understood. I feel like for once, um, you know, I, I mentioned that I got a diagnosis of mild, mild ADHD, but um, that doctor sent a report to the doctor that I went to see today and like, you know, three pages of text about me and, um and then the doctor today read through that. And then, after talking to me for a little bit, was like, You're, you, yeah, you, you have it. Like, you're suffering. And it was so freaking validating, you guys, because I know you've heard me talk about this before, but I always get told by my friends and family who love me and know me and who I trust. And by the way, I also see myself this way sometimes, and I see where they're coming from, but I always get told I'm a hard worker. I've been told it my whole life. Um, you work so hard. My mom thinks I work hard. Like, anytime anyone, like, speaks of me in you know, is giving a speech about me or is, you know, writing a letter to me about, you know, congratulating me about something it's always mentions how hard I work and I love hearing that it's very nice and it's obviously being a hard worker is like what I hang my hat on more than any quality about myself Um, I mean I do have a pretty flat stomach naturally that I'm grateful for Um, and I have really small ears which I'm also grateful for but let's not forget my hair is falling out I don't have an ass my face is falling off my skull (laughs) Um, my vagina has a little bit more going on than I'd like. I have bunions. I have really thick calves. See, look, I always feel like I have to like, I say nice things about myself and then I have to punish myself on the other side of it. But I just, I didn't like the idea of someone listening to this being like, did she just say she has a flat stomach? And it's like, yeah, I did. I just do. That's just a thing. That was one of the gifts I was given as a child is that that's not where my fat goes. It doesn't go to my ass either, so let's not forget that flat stomach, flat ass. Um, but anyway, I, one of the things I hang my hat on, aside from my fucking clit that's sticking out. Now my clit doesn't stick out; it's more of like the rest of it. You guys, no one needs to know this, and it's not so bad. And I don't really even see it that much anymore because I've just really let it grow down there. I am so grateful that COVID happened because I do, I did it did interrupt my, uh, laser hair removal, glazer hair removal. Um, and so now I have like hair on my vagina and I'm going to keep it. Fuck it. Who gives a shit? Um, what was I saying? People always describe me as hardworking, right? You probably would. Everyone does. I do a podcast every day. Yesterday I did a charity show. Then I did an interview. Then I, you know, I always have a million things going on. I, I, Never feel like those are hard work. You know when I feel like I put in hard work? When I write, when I sit down at my computer at a Starbucks and I write jokes. and I, Or like when I do the roast, that feels like work because I'm writing and I'm like working on it during the day. The sets I do at night are not hard work. Podcast, not hard work. Radio show, not hard work. Yes, it's showing up. It's putting in time. Um, it's producing something that people enjoy. But to me, it does not... Make me feel accomplished in the way that actual pen to paper, fingers to keyboard, sitting there thinking, uh, treating jokes like a math problem, that kind of work, writing, like get emailing. Well, emails don't even feel like hard work. I mean, actually, that feels like more of work than like podcasting. But what I'm saying is the things that people attribute, wow, Nick, you work so hard, traveling across the country, performing seven shows in a weekend you know, doing a a podcast every day, all that stuff. It's, it doesn't feel like work to me, which is great. That's why I do it. It's like, I, I, if it felt like work, that would be so too much work. But because I exhaust myself with the things that don't feel like work, I often don't have time for the things that do feel like work. And even if I do have the time to do things that do feel like work, like writing my book or um, writing jokes, things I do not do. Like I literally do not write jokes And people always go, but you're a comedian. How can you not write jokes? I just don't. I say something funny one time and then I just memorize it. Not intentionally. I don't go in the mirror and say it over and over until I memorize it. It just happens. It just happens that stays in my head and the stuff that doesn't stay in my head doesn't. Now that would feel like work. If I were to actually write a joke and then spend time memorizing it, when I'm learning lines for something, I feel like that's that's work. That's hard work. But the work that I fill my day with does not feel like work. And so much of my self-esteem is built upon feeling like I worked. And so I was talking to this doctor and he was like, I go, by all accounts, he was familiar with my work too. His daughter is in high school and she's a big fan. Shout out to it. Um, You know who you are. Or maybe you don't listen. You're too young to listen to this. No, I'm not too dirty on this podcast. I was today, but usually I'm not too dirty on this podcast. And you do need to hear girl in high school, when a boy takes out his penis, tell him to put it away. Never should a guy take out his penis before a girl asks. Never. I would go on to say pretty much never, ever, ever. How about that? Um, So if it happens, never, never just do do anything to the guy, even if you want to, because you need to train him that that's not okay. Say, put it away. I'll take it out when I'm ready. I digress. So this doctor is familiar with my work and I just wanted to make it clear to him, like, I know I'm impressive. I know I have this going for me. I know I have this going for me. Um, but I don't feel like I'm reaching my potential. I always feel like I'm struggling to feel accomplished and that it's I'm, I'm fooling everyone. And he goes, yeah, you are. And I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, you're, this isn't, you're not, you're what he compared me to a car that's revving its engine, but it's not going anywhere. Like it's stuck in the dirt and it's just, it's wheels are spinning. So like, yes, it's, it looks like work. It sounds like work, but there's no traction. And I'm like, yes, I feel like that car that I drove into the ditch on my trip to Arkansas, where all you do is you run the tires and it's not moving anywhere. And you're like very proud of the car. Cause it's trying its best. And it looks like it's trying hard. And by all accounts, you could be like, wow, that car's revving a ton, but, but it ain't going nowhere. That's how I feel. And yes, I know I've gone places, but do you know what I'm, what I'm capable of is so much more and I'm so excited to reach my potential and I'm going to. And I'm going to with the help of medication. And uh, I felt really guilty about it. I don't like being on ADHD meds. I feel like I'm undeserving. I feel like I've somehow tricked the system. I feel like, you know because there's such drugs that are associated with people trying to get them when they don't really deserve them that i feel like i must be doing that and the truth is i didn't do anything to trick the system i went into that adhd test and i could have done so many things to look more add and to get answers wrong i could have done um, i know how to fucking fool people into thinking i have a no attention span but i didn't i tried my hardest and that's why i didn't really come out like as having a problem with attention my problems tend to go towards messiness, um, scattered, brained, like can't it takes on too many things at once. Cannot start a project. Um, and constant anxiety over that fact, which leads to more um, delaying, more procrastination, and I feel guilty about the fact that yeah, sure, Nikki, everyone deals with these things. No one likes to work, but we do it. My problem is I can't do it. I don't know how to explain it, but I can't do it. I was talking to the doctor and I was saying that when I was anorexic, so many people used to be like, eat a sandwich. You know, that's like the classic thing you say to someone who's too skinny, eat a sandwich. People used to say to me all the time. I mean, like in medical professionals too, just eat. It's, that's what's so frustrating about anorexic. It's like, all you have to do is this one simple thing, just fucking put food in your mouth, chew it and swallow it. You dumb skinny bitch. But all I could say to them is, I can't. I, there was no way to – I used to say it's like – it would be like someone telling someone to drink poison. But it's not even that because it it's, it's, it doesn't feel like it's going to be poison. It feels like you literally can't do it. And I don't relate to that feeling with food anymore. But, boy, do I relate to it when I'm talking about starting to write a book. Paralysis. I can't do it. And he goes, yeah, that's classic ADHD. Um. <sighs> I almost started crying because I was just like, this guy gets it. He's not trying to convince me that I work hard. He's not trying to convince me that this is normal or that I just feel like so much of the input I get is that you take on too much, Nikki. You have to put too much pressure on yourself, be easier on yourself, all these things. And it's like, I don't know how to not do those things. If I knew, do you think I want? Do you feel like I'm failing all the time? Do you think I want to feel like a fraud all the time? Do you think I want to feel like I'm unaccomplished and that I'm faking everything and fooling everyone and that and never getting anything of substance done? No. But I can't take the next step t- to, to do it. And with medicine, when I've dabbled in ADD meds before, illegally, obtaining them from friends who had them, I have felt extremely motivated, extremely focused. And I said to the doctor, I go, I know everyone feels that way. I told him, I was like, listen, I've taken these meds before. I've taken them recently. I've gotten them, you know, and it's it's night and day for me. I mean, it works. And I, and I go, I know it works for everyone. He goes, no, it doesn't. It doesn't work for everyone. For some people, it makes them feel really high and really like, you know, grinding their teeth, like extra anxious, and that's the, the that's the high that some people seek when they are seek them illegally i don't feel that way i feel amazing on them in the sense that not like i'm like yes i can do anything i'm amazing and i'm just like like it's not that i just feel like fucking normal and like i like myself i feel good and i feel guilty about feeling good i feel guilty that's why i don't like having orgasms it's, it feels too good it feels like I, I, I don't deserve this. What did I do to, to get to do this, to get to feel this euphoria? I, don't, I feel guilty about taking a medicine that makes me feel accomplished and satisfied with myself. Why can't I just do that on my own? Well, I can't. And you know what? I'm 36 and I'm tired. I've done it. I've achieved a lot without it. Let's see what I can achieve with it. with it. With it. And so I'm going to. Um, and I went about it the right way. I didn't, you know, I've dabbled in these meds before through friends who don't take their medicine and have just been like, here, you got some am mine. And it, I've never been addicted to it. I've always done it sparingly. I've always felt super guilty when I've done it, but I've only done it so I can get shit done. Um, and now I get to do it legally <laughs> and not feel bad. And if it makes me feel bad and I don't like it, I'll stop it. But maybe a year from now, you're going to be reading a book that I put out because I got help. I honestly, I feel so excited and so hopeful because this doctor was like, oh my God, he was like, your life, oh my God, my goddamn dog. He was like, he goes, your life is going to change. And and he's like, you're going to write this book. And I'm like, yes, I'm going to write this book. And is it cheating? Maybe. Am I doping? Sure. Am I doing it legally? Yes. So no guilt. I'm not, and don't DM me that I don't need them. I don't want to hear your feedback. I'm going to try it out and monitor it very closely because I don't want to be dependent on anything and I don't want to change. I like who I am, but you guys know I'm suffering. I don't want to feel like I'm constantly not good enough and that, The stuff I'm putting out isn't that great and I feel bad for even asking people to pay money to go see me. I don't want to have to constantly feel that way. I want to feel deserving of fans. I want to feel deserving of the accolades I get and not feel like I'm tricking any of you with some fucking comedy witchcraft. And I feel like this is the first step towards doing that. I don't know. I just feel for the first time like, oh my God, if I can treat my, and I know one pill is not going to make it all better. I'm going to still keep seeing a therapist. I'm going to continue to do um, cognitive behavioral therapy. I'm going to continue to meditate. But I do feel a lot of hope because this guy heard me out. And for the first time in my fucking life, someone agreed with me that I don't really work hard. I was like, yes, you get it. He was asking me about my um, degree. We went to the same college and he was asking me about my degree. And I was like, yeah, I'm – I, in college, I, I, I go, I didn't really, cause he was asking me about KU basketball. And I go, I didn't really give a shit about college. I had discovered stand up by then. And I was like, not even going to classes, phoning it in, just scraping by like bare minimum effort just to get by. And he goes, what was your GPA? And I was like, I think it's like a 3.5. And he goes, and you weren't trying. And I was like, no. And that's not to say that I'm like a genius. I, re- I know for a fact, I'm not a genius. I tried my hardest on my SATs and my scores are garbage. And it wasn't because I was ADD. Like, I finished it. It wasn't like I didn't have enough time. I'm just not – I'm not a genius. I know that. But I'm just saying I, I got, a, I got an, a degree in English from KU, which, you know, whatever. It's not the, the best school in the fucking world. But I got a degree in English, and I never read a book. And that's, that's what my whole career has been. I feel like I've gotten a 3.5 in my career, but I've never read a book. So like I haven't actually done the work that I've showed up for class. That's it. I've showed this is what I feel like in my career. I've showed up for class. I'm always on time for class because I did. I used to go to class. That was a lie when I said I didn't go to class. Not a lie, but you know, like I did go to class. Um I I tried to take notes during class. But beyond class, outside of it, didn't study. Would wait to the last second to write a paper. And that's how I phoned in my career. What am I capable of if I actually study outside of class? And thank God for this pandemic because I would have just kept doing what I was doing back in January and February, which is working all day, not on actual things like doing, like you know working all day, jumping from meeting to meeting, um, doing sets at night and not leaving any time to actually put in actual work alone by myself in an office. I was just – I would have kept doing that. But because stand-up stopped, because I'm not able to get on stage every night, which then makes me feel like I'm practicing. It makes me feel like I'm working, and it's not real work. I mean, it's work because it's, like, the performance. But there's work to be – you guys get it. You're like, go take your ADD med and talk this out with someone else, Nikki. Jesus Christ, how long can you go on? So it feels good. It feels really good is all I'm saying. And I just wanted to update you guys with that. Oh, and before I continue, I want to say that – My doctor seems to think my depression is from the fact that I can't get anything done and I feel anxious about it and that makes me sad and not have self-esteem and then I hate myself. So we're going to treat the ADHD first and see if that treats the depression. Who knew? Who knew? I'm really thinking that might be it. But I'm going to keep tracking my mood. Let's put it in right now, pull up my little wellness app, click on the heart. Right now I am feeling fucking pretty fantastic. I'm going to give myself a six out of seven right now. Boom. Done. Um, hmm. Let's go on Raya. Let me just take a step. Let's look on Raya, the app, the dating app, the celebrity dating app. I'm going to zip through um, Raya and see what I think about these guys. Okay, let's start with a guy named Jose. He is on a boat. He lives in Portugal. Not thinking that me and Jose are going to be able to see each other anytime soon, although he is very cute. Um he seems to love water activities there's a lot of time on the water which i don't hate but like i'm not someone that like listen i'll adapt to whatever like a guy is into i like to try new things honestly and it's not because i'm trying to be whatever girl he wants me to be i really do i broaden my horizons with men because i tend to try to be the fun girl at first and then i discover things i actually like um so jose might be able to get me into that um, he's wearing a couple necklaces. You know how I feel about that. Um, yeah, he seems nice, but nice, but Portugal—it's not gonna happen. See, that's the problem with Raya—is that it's everywhere, and it's all across the world. And right now, if you live in the U.S., you can't go fucking nowhere. I can't even go to the next state because I'm in a fucking hot state. Um, Missouri is a hot state. Thank you very much. Oh, here's a guy named Ari. Love the name. Dated a guy named Ari for a while. Um, That was like man he's married now but that he was so hot and cool and i'd probably hit him up again if he was still available um this guy looks kind of shorter but he's so cute totally my type he lives in la he's hugging a dog in a picture um he seems to have a lot of friends do you ever look at people's friends in these dating apps and you're like oh i'm gonna have to get to know these people and like pretend i like them but let's, let me be honest. For the most part, I like, I like meeting new people. And if I like a guy, I tend to always like his friends a lot. That's how I found some of my best friends was through my ex-boyfriend. I got to keep some of the friends. Yeah, this guy's cute. He's 33. He works for a fitness company. Um, yeah, let's give him a heart. Didn't match. Okay, not going to hurt my feelings yet. Here's Simon. He's in Brooklyn. He's a musician. I am. He looks sweaty in all of his pictures and, like, greasy hair. Well, at least we have that in common. Um, nope, Simon, sorry. Not going to happen. I don't think a musician is where I'm going to. Okay, this guy is a founder of a company. Let's see what this company does. He has a good body, but he's, he looks a little smug. He has too many shirtless photos. He does have a good body, though. He definitely has been to, is that Coachella? Yeah, that looks problematic guys and all the girls he's in pictures with are just so like Kardashian beautiful, you know, as in they paint on their faces. I can't really handle it, but I'm not going to judge him yet. Let's see. Okay. So he started a blank brand and he's having fun growing it. And I just don't want to be too um, specific. Oh, I didn't even say his name. So this is not specific at all. Okay. So he started a sneaker brand and he's having fun growing it, going out, design, working out, cooking, flying, meditation, Italy. He lived in Germany, Switzerland, UK, Colombia, and US. Now New York is my home. Oh, and he's fucking tall as shit. Okay, I'll give this guy a like. Not because I think we're going to have anything in common, but I just want to see if he would be into me. Isn't that what you do most of the time on these apps? It's just like someone to see if they like you back, and then you go, okay, cool. I could have him if I wanted him, but I don't want him. Okay, this is a guy. The next guy is 33, so I'm a little bit older. Um. His face looks, I'm just not attracted to his face. It's, he honestly looks like my ex-boyfriend um, a little bit, but this guy, his lips are too luscious. I, I, don't, I don't like luscious lips because I have thin lips. I like kind of like thin-lipped individuals as well. Although, you know, once I like you, I don't care what your lips are. But on first glance, luscious lips kind of intimidate me. Okay, sorry, luscious lips, Adam. That's a no-go. Here's a guy. um, He looks like DJ Khaled. Um, He's a little bit too burly for me. And no, that's not going to happen. Okay, here's a guy. I don't understand his first name. It's confusing. Oh, there's a picture of him with an acoustic guitar. There's another one of him in like a beret, which is unforgivable. Oh, now he's wearing a flower wreath. There's one where he literally has a leopard on a leash. What the fuck? This guy's like a basic white guy too. He travels too much. And there's like a picture of his car in like two shots. He's very proud of his car. I just can't stand guys in their cars. Um, Here are his interests. Border Terriers, old cars, Japan, the Welsh countryside, pop music. Okay, pop music. We have that in common. Um, he lives in the UK. Okay, I mean, we can't do that. Sorry, dude. Ooh, this guy's cute. He lives in Munich, Germany, though. Um, this guy looks too accomplished for me. He has a he has a TED Talks like one of those TED Talk microphones in literally every shot. He definitely is a public speaker. What does he do? He's a little bit under six foot because he put this in meters. He's 1.95 meters, which I don't know what that is, but... I know that one meter is three feet, so two meters would be six feet, and he's 1.95, so boom, math. Your task in life is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. Whoa. Okay, I'm listening, and I don't appreciate you seeing into my soul, Alex. Okay, next. Oh, he does keynotes. Okay, is he just here to, like, network what's going on with you alex can't do it sorry i don't date in meters okay this next guy's in los angeles he's a developer an urbanist musician design and architecture ready to travel i don't want to travel that's what i do for a living these guys that are uh, i don't know It, it yes i enjoy traveling I don't know that I want to see the world. Actually, like I said, I'll get into whatever you're into of him and do enough. Guess what? This guy is just not floating my boat physically. Here's another guy. He has like a sombrero on. He's a white guy. He has like long curls. He's 33. Oh, there's a man bun in this picture. He's wearing like a long robe in the other. Um, no, no, nope. no. Nope. He's too grateful. His first picture is him clasping his hands in front of his face like, I'm grateful. This guy says, I'm a spiritual cowboy on a journey back to self slash back to self. Okay. Um, he has an off grid tiny home. No. And he's six, eight, Jesus Christ. He lives in a tiny home and he's six, eight. That's impressive. I don't even think that's possible. Okay, well, he lives off the grid. What are you doing on Raya then? Raya's on the grid. Raya is the grid. Okay, sorry, I'm not living in a tiny home. I already live in one with my parents. Ooh, this guy's an Italian runner-climber photographer. Um, he's in Italy. Oh, he's Italian. This guy definitely dates models. Let's check out his profile pictures. Oh, here he's like uh, he's like climbing up a huge ice wall. No, thank you. Oh, here he's surfing. Here he's in the rainforest. Here he's climbing again, climbing again. Well, at least if I date him, he'll die in a fucking climbing accident shortly thereafter, and I won't have to break up with him. So, heart, no match. God damn it. All right. So this has been fun. I'll let you, I'll follow up and let you know if any of those uh, come to fru- fruition about to go get coffee with my friend greg warren he's a comedian in town uh you should check out his new comedy special it's on amazon it's called where the corn grows he's fucking hilarious he's one of the best comics ever he's um he was like on the scene he, he was doing comedy like a decade before i came into the scene and he kind of like was my mentor coming up and again his name's greg warren he has a great podcast about crossword puzzles that he does with Brendan Ayer, who's another great comedian. And um, I got to give it a listen because Greg got me back into doing the crossword and I fucking love it. The New York Times crossword. I'm up to like, I Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are doable for me. I wasn't able to finish any of those this week, but I'm like, you know, I get as close as like one one clue I can't figure out. Like I'm stuck on one thing, but Thursdays are, I'm going to get to a place. I would like to get to a place where I can complete Sunday. And maybe I will once I get on ADD meds. I also had a game night last night with um, my ex-boyfriend and his brother and his fiance. It was so, so much fun. We played games. We ate dinner. Uh, We played the really fun game Code code Names. Code Words. Code Names. Code something. Code Names. Is that the name of the word? Yeah, Code Names. It's so fun. It was a really funny moment, though. Last night, (laughs) we were... So the game is like you have to say code words that make the person. So you're on a team with someone and you try to get your team member to figure out a word based on the words you say. So you say a word that might remind them of the word. And last night he was like, uh, you, but it's, it's confusing. I mean, it's kind of a you had to be there scenario, but I was so proud of myself. And I was like, Glazer, still got it. That's why I love this guy is he brings out the funny. I'm the funniest version of myself around him. Like I feel like I'm just on fire. That's why I like doing his radio show every week, which I did this morning. It was really fun. Because I'm just like very comfortable and I my mind works very quickly. But last night he goes, the code word that he was trying to get me to think of a word, he goes threesome, and I go, okay. <laughs> it was just the way I said, okay, was maybe one of the funniest things I've ever done in my life. Like it was like me not being too enthusiastic, but I was like, okay, like let's do it. And then on today on the radio, we were talking about how, um, Oh, uh, that was like how I, I said, okay, to a threesome. And he was like, "It's was almost like she wanted to start one right there. And I was like, yeah, get get your, I said something about his bro. I don't know. It was a good line. You had to be there. Listen to the radio show. If you want to go check it out. I think they have a podcast of it. It's the, the, the station is called the arch in St. Louis. Um, but it was fun. Sorry to tell you, you had to be their story. Who am I? My fucking dad. Um, turning into him, living with him. Guys, have a great weekend. I wanted to live uh, on a positive note. Um, oh, I wanted to write tell you guys about, someone wrote to me a long time ago, I don't know if I've shared it on this podcast, um, that uh, a great, um, if you're really nervous about something that you have coming up and you like don't feel like you've you're ready for it a great positive affirmation to say to yourself which someone wrote to me that they said over and over to themselves going into a job interview recently and it helped them because I used to talk about this all the time on the air and I probably on this podcast but I have a lot of new listeners so maybe you haven't heard it when I injured myself on Dancing with the Stars I was incredibly injured like I I I like ripped a thing in my back and it was just I couldn't move my arm. It was just awful. And it was the day of the live taping and I couldn't move my arm and I had to do all these things. And the dance required me to use my arm a lot. And um, I was crying. I mean, it was the worst case scenario. My parents have never seen me so sad and they've seen a lot of sadness. Carlisle, who was my assistant at the time, was like just devastated by it. She had to help me put on a shirt that day because I couldn't use lose, use my arm. And, and eight hours later, I had to film a dance. I mean, it was... I didn't know what I was going to do. They were going to inject my back with cortisone, which they ended up doing anyway so that I could perform. Um, But I didn't need it because I started seeing a mantra that someone sent me. A woman saw that I was struggling on my Instagram story, uh, a a fan of mine. Because I was on my Instagram story that morning talking about how I had injured my back and I was really nervous about performing that night. And I was kind of having to fake like I was okay because Dancing with the Stars doesn't want the world to know that their dancers are really injured a lot of times when they're performing which is the case. (laughs) And so I was trying to have to fake, like, I'm okay. And my dance partner was like, Nikki, do not put it out there that you are struggling because then we're going to get voted off because the producers are not going to have someone on the show that's struggling. And I'm like, I can't move. So I was having to fake it like, I'm okay, but my back kind of hurts. (laughs) So one of my fans wrote me to that. She was a gymnastics coach and that when she has gymnasts who have a lot of pain that have to perform on the pain because gymnastics is a fucking masochist sport and they are forced to perform a lot of times when they are have broken bones that she said what she would tell them is to say the mantra over and over. I'm strong, I'm prepared, this is easy. I'm strong, I'm prepared, this is easy. So I got that email in the when I was sobbing in the back of a car on the way to set. It was fucking 7 30 in the morning. I was being driven to set for um I had to be in hair and makeup at uh 745. I had a dress rehearsal at nine, camera blocking for the shot. And then we were going live with the show at like four. So I was in the back of this car, the driver, I asked the driver if it was okay on the way to set if I just weeped uncontrollably because I was so upset. And he was like, yeah, that's fine. And I couldn't cry on set because the producers couldn't know how much pain I was in or they were gonna vote me off the show, which they did anyway. But at the time I was trying to like save my ass and my back, I don't have an ass. So I was crying in the back of the car, just trying to get it all out before I got to set. And then I got this email and I go, actually, um, I know I said I was gonna cry before and the driver like didn't care at all. He was like, Yeah, it's fine, do it. I was like, um, but now I'm just gonna start saying like a thing over and over to myself. So it's gonna be weird, but like just ignore me. And so then I started saying, I'm strong, I'm prepared, this is easy. I'm strong, I'm prepared, this is easy. I'm strong, I'm prepared, this is easy. And I'm not kidding you guys, I said that thousands of times. Between 7:45 and 9:30 for my um, dress rehearsal. Maybe it was like 10. I kept saying it. I didn't talk to anyone. And I slowly started moving my arm as I was saying it, to just rotate it, kind of push myself to feel the pain and feel where it was coming from. Kept saying it, I'm strong, I'm prepared. This is easy. I'm strong, I'm prepared, this is easy. Over and over and over. And I'm not joking you. My back that was completely injured started healing. And I was able to go into dress rehearsal and perform, which I had to sit out the day before we had camera blocking. I had to sit out and have someone else do it for me because I was so injured that morning. I was able to do it. It didn't go great, but I was able to move when two hours earlier, I couldn't even put on a goddamn shirt. And the only thing that I changed, I didn't take any medicine. I didn't get a shot in my back. I did eventually later on, even though I didn't need it because I said this mantra and it healed my back. So whenever you're feeling pain or like really nervous about something, say to yourself over and over, I'm strong, I'm prepared, this is easy. I'm strong, I'm prepared, this is easy. Look yourself in the eyes, in the mirror and say it and I swear to God it works. And that is just a reminder for me and for you. But I, I got an email from someone recently that said they used it and that she fucking nailed the interview something that she was extremely nervous about and thought she was going to fail and she didn't. Thanks to that mantra. And I'm only I only know that mantra because of thanks to this gymnastics coach who wrote me. And it fucking it it saved my life. So you're strong, you're prepared, you're easy. Wait, that's not nice. Squirt squirt and d d d d d This has been a Comedy Central Podcast. <aster Fazil noise>